like I said, this is the last At The Movies series. I have preached a few of them. We've had Luke preach one. We had my, um, Katie preach one. And, and then John shared last week on his trip, which it was pretty awesome seeing some of those pictures. So, who thinks they know what the movie is tonight? I know Luke does. He's got my notes. <laughs> it's not this, but this is a hint. It's, it's, it's not Toy Story, but it's within the same sphere of movies. It's definitely not Buzz Lightyear. Although that would be fitting with the month. <laughs> so, this is Pizza Planet. It's a Pixar movie. It's one of the original great movies that I'm going to be sharing on tonight. It's all about the loving relationship of a father and his son. Yes, it's Finding Nemo. How many of you love that movie? Finding Nemo. It's a great one, right? It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. It's one of the great original ones. I mean, after the first... I mean, after... Gosh. For sure after Incredibles, I feel like it just started to go downhill from there. No, I know. Like, there's, there's some good ones here and there sprinkled there out. But it was like blockbuster after blockbuster. Every movie Pixar put out was just awesome, right? So, Finding Nemo is the movie tonight, and there was a period of time with my daughter, Luella, where it seemed like every single movie she ever wanted to watch was about a father and their kid, and that just warmed my heart. <laughs> but this was one of her favorite movies, was Finding Nemo, and she also enjoyed Moana, which Katie preached on last, and I mean, it was just... Seemed like every single movie she ever wanted to watch was all about a father and a son, and a father and a daughter, something like that. And not Bambi, no. <laughs> she would have, she would have been a miserable wreck. There was one mother-daughter movie she watched briefly. It was the the live-action rendition of Dumbo. And when, I mean, she was like super young. Okay, how how young? <laughs> no. How young was Luella when we watched Dumbo with her? <laughs> she was like, what, a year and a half, two? Yeah, she was like two years old. So even younger than Bennett is now our youngest. And when the scene came with the mom being taken and the baby, you know, like, intertwining their trunks, oh, no, I don't want to leave you, don't leave me. She just, like, horrible crying, just immediately the waterworks. It was just awful. We turned the movie off. She was crying for like a good 10 minutes. <laughs> it was so hard to get her to calm down. That was the one mother-daughter movie. But Father and Son, Finding Nemo. And when I was trying to think of what to do to finish this series, I felt like God was speaking to me, talk to them about my love for them the love of a father, the love that I have for them. And we sang a song. It was by request for me, actually. I wanted them to do Reckless Love. And if you guys can think of the words that were in that song, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Do you guys know what this comes from? There's a passage of scripture. What's leaves the 99? Where does that come from? 
Do you guys know where that is? Said 15. 15 what? Luke 15. Somebody's phone's going off up here. I said somebody's phone's going off up here. Eh. It does come from the Gospels, and it is Luke 15. I think you deserve some candy. Come grab some. (laughs) So I will be getting into that. Luke 15 talks about the parable of the lost sheep. It's where there's a shepherd who's considered a good shepherd. He's got 100 sheep. One of them goes missing, and he leaves to go find this lost sheep. And I feel like that's just Nemo in a nutshell. And it's, it's almost like a, a marrying of that and the prodigal son because Nemo does some things that he shouldn't have, right? In this movie, he gets himself into some trouble, right? There's this argument he has with his dad. He gets angry that his dad's restricting him. He's holding him back. He's keeping him from doing things that he wants to do. Do you guys ever feel like that with God sometimes? No? Yes? No? feel like God's holding you back sometimes? Like, I don't get it. Is this really going to cause a problem for me? It's not that big a deal, right? And Nemo gets himself into this predicament where he wants to do something that he knows that he shouldn't do, and he ends up doing it anyways. So let's watch this first movie clip. Luke, you got it ready? No? That's all right. <laughs> and in this movie clip, Nemo's off to school, he's heading to school, and then his dad finds out where they're going. He's like, what? They're going to the drop-off? Why don't we just fry them up now and serve them with chips? <laughs> so here's the clip. Let's go. So, those words that Nemo said, what were the final words he said to his dad? I hate you. And I'll tell you. Hearing those words as a parent from your child is devastating. It does not feel good. (laughs) It's painful. And it's uncomfortable to watch, right? I mean, were you guys watching that and were like, oh, yeah. You tell them. Was it like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. This, This moment's awkward. It feels uncomfortable, right? But the honest truth, I mean, I think... I want you guys to think of this scene in regards to us with God the Father. I think a lot of times we have this attitude towards God. We can get ourselves in this position where we feel like God's holding us back. We feel like God doesn't love us. We feel like he doesn't have our best interests in mind. And then we get angry with him. We say, God, I just, what do you just hate me? Because it feels like you do. I hate you with everything that you're doing. It seems like you're not watching me. You don't care about me. You don't notice me. You don't give a rip about me. Are you even doing anything up there? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I know that there's times that I felt that way. And we can treat God like he works for us almost. When that's not really the way that it works, right? It's not that God works for us. We can often feel like he does and that anything that doesn't go how we want it to is a problem and that God doesn't care about us. He wants to make us miserable. He's just up there with a magnifying glass watching us get tortured. 
one of these days, I'll probably do Bruce Almighty. <laughs> he talks about in, it, it's this idea of, do you even love me? Because if you did, you would do X, Y, and Z. But really the reality is what God does for us all the time shows his love for us. He's showing it to us constantly. In the movie, he, he feels like his dad doesn't really care about him. But you see in the, throughout the movie, does his dad care about him? I mean, the whole movie is about him going after him, right? And trying to find him. And we don't know exactly how far he travels, but we get this idea that, man, he loves his kid like crazy, and he's willing to go to insane measures to save him. There's all this foreshadowing that happens in the beginning as Nemo's on his way to school, and he's like, have you ever seen a shark before? He's like, no, and I don't plan to. Well, he did, right? In fact, he saw three of them. And he's going through all these things. He's like, he's acting as if he's terrified, but it's incredible what you'll do for the ones that you love. Nothing will hold you back from doing what you have to, to have them. And that's really what it is that God has done for us. In Romans 5, verse 6 through 8 of the New Living Translation is what I'm going to be sharing for this passage. It says, these are the words of Paul, and he's talking about our condition before Jesus came. Jesus came, he died for our sins, he rose again. You guys probably heard that a bajillion times, right? At least some of you. The Merricks for sure, right? And there's this picture that Paul is painting of where we were, who we were to Jesus. He says, we were utterly helpless. Look at your neighbor and say, you were helpless. You were completely helpless. That's what Paul is saying. He says, we were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time. At just, that's literally the for us as sinners. Is that good news? That's literally the good news. That's the gospel. In the like simplest form, okay? It says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. This is Paul saying, you know, maybe some people might die for somebody, but they have to be, like, exceptionally good. And that's what he says. He says, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. It's like, you got to be real good. We're talking, like, Mother Teresa or something. <laughs> you got to be way up there to be respectable enough that somebody would jump in front of a bullet for you. Now, most good fathers would do that for their kids, right? Good mothers, a good parent would lay their life down for their child. If it was between them and their kid dying, they would have themselves be taken. They say, no, I want my kid to have a good life. It says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Next verse. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. While we were still sinners. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus died for you. 
Here's the thing. We got ourselves into a horrible mess as humanity. Yeah, I'm just going to spell out the gospel for you pretty simply here, okay? We got ourselves into a horrible mess as humanity. We made a mess of our lives, and we tried to fix this mess over and over, and it just seemed to make the mess worse. Have you guys ever seen a little kid try to clean up a mess? It's horrible. I mean, I think of my kids when they were like two, and there would be like, oh, I spilled some milk on the table. I didn't cry over it, okay? Okay, maybe one or two times I did. <laughs> but they spill milk on the table. Oh, I'll clean it up. And they just go with their hand. Oh, no. Or maybe they take their plate and try to clean it up. It's just, it's stupid, right? But that's what we did. We tried to clean up our life. We tried to make things better. We tried to make it so that it's not a mess anymore. We're like, no, 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 I got this, I got this. I know, I'll take care of it. And then we just make it worse. And that's the reality of what we did. And this passage, the reason why it's so groundbreaking is because Paul is saying, you yourselves, people don't die for somebody unless they're really, really deserving of it. And none of us were. Every one of us was deserting of death. But Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. That's him saying, you on your worst possible day. And what I mean by that isn't you on your, like, you have a really terrible day, but you're really terrible on that day. Like, you yourself. Have you guys ever had those days? You're like, man, today sucks. But really, the reality is today sucks because, honestly, I kind of suck today. (laughs) My day is really terrible, and I just keep making a mess of it. Jesus came and died for that person, not for the good people. He came and died for everyone on their worst possible day. You at your horriblest. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be terrible sometimes. But here's the thing. Jesus, he loved you so much that he was willing to go to the unthinkable lengths to get you back. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God came after you. And here's the thing. If you reject him every day, he doesn't stop. I know for myself, if somebody turns me down one time, I'm like, I don't know if I want to ask you to go like hang out again. Do it again? Turn me down again? Nah, we're probably, I'm, I'm just going to wait for you to talk to me. <laughs> But Jesus never stops pursuing us. If you're somebody who's like, man, I just, I'm not a lovable person. Well, Jesus thinks otherwise. He's like, I can love you. He loves those who don't even love him back. How many of you know that that can be a difficult place to be sometimes? Where you're loving somebody and they're not reciprocating it. That's what Nemo's dad found himself in the position of, right? His son just said the words every parent absolutely never wants to hear. I hate you. I get chills just saying it. And then what happens? Nemo gets taken. 
He gets snagged by some fisherman that thinks he's doing a good thing. Oh, you're struggling out in the reef, and I saved him. But Nemo gets himself into a mess, right? And what does his dad do? I don't, I don't care if he said, I hate you. I'm going after him. I love him, and I'm going to do anything to get him back. And that's the story of us and God. While we were still sinners, while we were despisable, he said, I love them, and I will do anything to have them back. Nobody was considered good before Jesus came. It was common knowledge that everybody messed up. Unfortunately, there's people today that don't think that that's the case. They think originally we were good. But that's not the picture we see in the Bible. In Luke 15, verse 1 through 7, Zeke, you want to come up here and read it? Huh? Nah? You don't want to read it? All right, come on, CJ. He's got his hand up. So it's this part here, okay? The beginning of chapter 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. In, so it's the top part. All the highlighted part up here. So, uh, we got the mic over here. All right, let's listen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees. Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told the parable, Suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I'll tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous per- persons who do not need to repent. Woohoo! Let's give him a hand. And did you see that first verse? All right, that's good. He's sitting down now and no longer reading. Did you guys see that first verse? You want to pull up verse number one? The tax collectors and sinners. These are people that were just the scum of the earth. That's what the Pharisees thought. The religious leaders of the time, they're like, these are the worst of the worst. These are the people you don't even want to walk by when you're walking on the street. The tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They listened to him way better than the Pharisees did. (laughs) And the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's actually, I mean, honestly, it's a true statement. But they're complaining about it. They're speaking the truth without love. They're saying, this guy, I can't believe he's eating with such people Do you even know who they are? Well, yeah, he made them, kind of, but he's showing his love for everybody. And honestly, Jesus was willing to eat with anyone who was willing to eat with him. The Pharisees didn't want anything to do with him for the most part. There's a few here and there that were willing to. But Jesus welcomes 
sinners. He welcomes you. He welcomes me. He welcomes everybody to come spend time with him, to sit at his table and eat with him, to be with him. In fact, he wants them so much that he's willing to leave the ones that are presumably okay and fine to go find you, not knowing necessarily what will happen to those sheep that he leaves, but he goes and he looks after you. He finds you. He seeks you out. Shay, you all right there? You need a pillow? (laughs) Sit up. Sit up. Thank you. This parable, I think, just shows such a beautiful picture of who God is and who we are. It does such a good job, and it doesn't explain all of it, which is why he had more parables to share, but it shows the love that God has for us. The incredible measures that God is willing to go to to find you. He's willing to go after you and fight at any cost to get you. Reese, what you doing? Yeah, come sit up here. This whole row, you got the whole thing to yourself. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> John, you think I'll be a good substitute teacher? <laughs> no, you don't think so? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Jesus welcomes you. Look to your neighbor and say, you're welcome. (laughs) This is the words Jesus has for you. You're welcome in his presence. That's the thing that's amazing. That that we can even be in it. That we can go to his presence. We can spend time with him and be with him. And here's the crazy thing. He wants to be with you. Like he actually does. He wants time with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants to hear your thoughts. He wants to hear you talk to him. Let let you know that you're going to make it through the day because we all have bad days sometimes, right? And he wants to hear how your day's going. If you guys have parents that are like, hey, how was school today? Huh? Do your parents do that to you ever? Obviously not now. Yeah, they're like, hey, what'd you do at school today? How was your day? What did you do? What did you learn? Yeah, I hear that already from my own kids. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Did you learn anything? Not really. So what am I paying these taxes for if you didn't learn anything? All right. Yes, we are. So God actually likes you. Think about this, guys. He likes you. He wants you. He loves you. It's not like a, well, I guess I'll die for them. (laughs) No, it says the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Hey, you guys listening? What is going on? Mm Mm-hmm. This takes way longer when you guys are doing this. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I am. I'm talking to you, too. You've been talking for the last 30 seconds. (laughs) Stop. I'm supposed to be. 
You're supposed to be listening. Is that what you tell your teachers at school? No? Good. Listen, guys. Guys, I spend time putting this together, right? And I feel like it's what God wants you guys to hear. You guys want to hear it? Or are you like, I don't care, whatever. Let's just play nine square. God wants you guys to know something. It's up to you whether you're going to listen to it, okay? Some of you guys really need to hear this message. I mean, I believe that because I believe God gave you the message to share tonight, which means at least one person has to hear these words. Some of you guys, I mean, statistically speaking, your generation struggles hard with suicide, with depression, anxiety, what people think of you, social anxiety, all these things, right? I could ask for a show of hands of anyone in this room that deals with anxiety, depression, and all that stuff, and I would say, statistically speaking, over half of you would raise your hand, okay? This message is exactly for you. God wants you. He loves you. He died for you. He fought for you. And he's willing to do anything to have you. In fact, he's done everything to get you. And all we do is seem to just simply play church. For a guy that put himself on a cross to die of the death of a criminal so that you didn't have to. And what we do is just try to play nice. Do you guys think that this life is meant for more than that? Or it's meant just simply to just, yeah, just go hang out, sing some songs, play some games, and then go home and play more games, or spend hours on Snapchat, and just go about my day. Guys, God wants so much more for you, and he died to give it to you. Okay? God actually cares about you so much. This next clip I want to share with you is, I mean, honestly, when I was watching this, I was starting to tear up. There was no, no tear that actually fell down my face, okay? But in this, in this next clip, there's this scene where Nemo is hearing about his dad fighting for him. He's like, wait, 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 my dad's looking for me? He's like, yeah. Really? Yeah, he's like, Fought sharks and this and that. He's like, no, that can't be him. He wouldn't do that. And then he ends up finding out that it's true. And it blows his mind. I mean, you look at the face that he has, and he's just in awe that his dad would do all of this for him. And I would imagine that he's probably thinking, the last words I told him was, I hate you. Why in the world would he go to this measure to get me back? When the, what I told him was, I don't even want you. I wish you weren't in my life. And how often do we do this with God, right? But in this scene, this is just a great picture of the love of the Father to us. Go ahead and play it. I know, it's such a good movie. <laughs> Here's the thing. Save it for the end here. God's thoughts about you are magnificent. I want you guys to get this point tonight, okay? Like if there's anything that you get, get that God is crazy about you. <laughs> He's incredibly crazy about you. His, his thoughts about you are innumerable. 
There's no limit to them. Psalm 139, 17 and 18 says, How precious are your thoughts about me? Oh God, they cannot be numbered. And you, you might be thinking, well, I mean, his thoughts about me are probably a bunch of bad ones. No, it's his precious thoughts. That implies good ones. His thoughts about you are amazing. Go to the next one. He can't even count them. I can't even count them. I mean, God might be able to. <laughs> but they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This is something a lot of you guys maybe have a hard time grasping. I know I do. Like the fact that not just does he think about me all the time, but that when I wake up, he's there. <laughs> I haven't scared him away. It's not something where I did something and he's like, you know what, never mind, I'm done with you, I don't care about you anymore, this is the last straw. No more. I'm done. That's not what God does. God doesn't do that to us. His thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand. Can you count that? can't even do it with one beach, let alone the whole earth. And that's his thoughts for you. His thoughts about you are magnificent. Some of you need to hear this because your own thoughts about you are innumerous but they're bad ones. It's the total opposite of God's picture for you. God's thoughts about you are numerous in a good way. And he's saying, I love you, the person I made. I love that thing about you that you do that maybe other people find as annoying, but I'm like, no, that's my kid. That's my child. I love them. I made you exactly the way I want you to be. Who you are was not something I just took the leftover parts to throw together. No. You're exactly who I want. And I'm willing to fight to have you. Here's the picture of what Jesus did for us. I'm going to read this last passage here of Isaiah, and then we'll get into groups. But I want you guys to listen to this. I'm not going to use the last clip, Luke, just for the sake of time. But in Isaiah 53, and I'm reading New Living Translation, and I'm going to read all of it, okay? I want you guys to close your eyes. I know for some of you that's really hard to do. CJ, close your eyes. Okay, good. Thank you. Eli, do I need to move you? When you hear this chapter in Isaiah, this is what God was willing to do for you. This is the measure of length that he went to to have you. He was willing to go this far to get you. And I want you to think of that face that Nemo had as he's hearing about his dad. And he's like, wow, I can't believe he's doing this for me. I never thought he would ever meet a shark. <laughs> And he met three of them for me, and he blew them up. <laughs> he did everything that he could to get to Nemo. And this, I want you to see this chapter and go, this is what God did. He went to this length to get me. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord 
revealed his powerful arm. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. This is talking about Jesus, the Messiah. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. That's what he did for us. This is the length that God went to to have you. Rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for an especially good person, someone might die. Yet he shows his great love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. None of us was deserving of it. We spat in his face. We're the ones that said, God, I hate you. And he said, I love you still. And I'm willing to do anything it takes to have you. To show my love for you so much so that it changes you to be different. It changes you to be somebody who's also willing to lay down your life for people that don't deserve it. To go to incredible lengths to have the love of God shown to other people. For them to see his goodness. John 17, 23. You don't have to put this one up there, Luke. But in this passage, Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross. And it says in there that God loves Jesus 
just as much as he loves us. I want you guys to go ahead and see this. This last passage, the last line there. You love them as much as you love what? This is Jesus talking about people. Can you guys grasp that? God loves you just as much as Jesus. He loves you just as much as his only begotten son. He loves you just as much as the one who never did anything wrong. Have you guys ever felt like there's a favorite child in the family sometimes? Have you guys seen people that are favorite childs and you're like, man, you just get rained on with blessing while the rest of them aren't? God doesn't do that. It says that he actually loves Jesus just as much as the rest of us. The ones that are totally undeserving of it. Same amount of love poured out. That blows my mind. That God would love me just as much as the one who never ever sinned? Who's the perfect child? (laughs) That's hard to grasp. But that's the reality of it. That's the truth. My question for you is, what are you going to do with this? With this time that you have? I want to just read the last part of this book. It's on the back. Have you ever wondered if we're missing it? It's crazy if you think about it. This is the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. I highly recommend it. The God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen and pine needles, galaxies, and E minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, sing songs, and try not to cuss. Whether you've verbalized it yet or not, we all know something is wrong. Does something deep inside your heart long to break free from the status quo? Are you hungry for an authentic faith that addresses the problem of our world in tangible, even radical solutions? The love that God has for you What does it move you to do? Does it move you to do anything? Because it should, right? This crazy love that God has for you, it should move you to do something crazy too. Because he did something crazy to have you. I want all the leaders to come up here. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray. I got a couple questions I sent to the leaders. I want you guys to think, do you believe God loves you? She's over there. (laughs) I'll pray. God thank you for the love that you showed us. God, I pray that this love would be something that moves us to a a crazy love for you. That this love that you have for us, it would grip our hearts and it would change us to be a people that just wants to be with you. That it isn't just some do's and don'ts checklist that we do all the right things and we don't do the wrong thing. But it's just a matter of being in relationship with you, loving you. And loving you to an extent that we're willing to do anything for you. 
to go to crazy lengths for you because that's what you did for us. God, I pray that it would just, this summer would be different. Be a summer that our feet go the places you want them to. Our hands do the things that you want them to. 